0: What is up, family? This is about to be a huge
1: 90-minute show. There is so much to get to in so little time. And speaking of time, three hours, three days, 30 minutes. That's how long Saquon Barkley has to make a decision on what's going to happen in New York. He has that amount of time to accept or negotiate a long-term deal, or he might not be playing this season. We're talking about the fourth leading rusher in the National Football League. Three days, couple hours. Couple minutes, mm. slick. I've waited far too many hours to see you again, my friend. How are
2: you? <laughs> Could have invited me to the premiere, and then it oh, wouldn't have been quite so, so long. long. We don't, we don't forget, we don't that. forget not that. No, not, no, that. No, no, not not slick. That.
1: no, no. You know, let me talk to Joy real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so yesterday, <laughs> I was called out by these two on the far end. They said, "Hey, Acho, we seen you enjoy having a good <laughs> you know time, saying? kicking it back, chilling." Yeah. They mm-hmm. said, "Where was my invite, slick?" Uh. I can only invite one person. (laughs) I can only invite one. I had one plus one, I can only invite one. I said a text, I talked to James. (laughs) Yesterday, 5 p.m., I said, hey, big dog. I called him. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Hello?
3: (laughs) (laughs) And he was busy?
1: Busy. I texted him, I said, hey, Jay, I got invited to this party, I got a plus one. I put your name down. He texted me back, hey, big dog. Whenever text well, starts, starts with a big dog, you don't even the rest. A big dog. I'm at Long Beach, big dog. I can't make it. I'm done. I'm done. With, I'm yeah. done with the invites. I'm done with. <laughs> I'm not done. I'm not done, however, with introductions. That's oh, Dr. Man. Joy Taylor and my dog. What's up, my brother? What up, baby? James Jones. Okay, <laughs> let's stay in the Big Apple talking about the New York Jets because this has been very intriguing. Aaron Rodgers, superstar quarterback, teammate of James Jones, he is obviously in New York. We've told you that time and time again. But the expectations and the confidence it has increased. Get this, running back Reese Hall. He was almost going to run away with Rookie of the Year last year. He said, "Quote, I mean, with the offense we have right." Right now mm-hmm. i think we have an answer for everything you have an answer for everything he mm-hmm. said yeah. now i was shocked <laughs> i was shocked to hear that because i'm like all right slow down slow down slow down hold a minute hold on a minute now they seem a little too confident for me the mm-hmm. jets do are the jets being overconfident absolutely not
4: first off you watched them play last year right they still in ball games with zach wilson um, who was the other quarterback? Mike White. Mike and White. Joe Flacco. And Joe Joe Flacco, right? And they're in games, right? Started the season really well. All offseason, especially these young players, Sauce, everybody, man, we a quarterback away. Mm-hmm. Right? So now you get your quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, and he has entered into the building. And you see how good he is. Yes, sir. Right? And when he says we have answers for everything, That's because (laughs) AR-8 has answers to everything. Defense checking this, we getting to this. Defense going there, we going there, right? So you get him back off of ACL injury. You add Alan Lazar. You already got a a superstar receiver over there. This team really, if Aaron Rodgers is the AR-8 are the AR-12 that he was in
1: 19 years in Green Bay, <laughs> this team is not overconfident and they are going to be problems. Joy, where do you stand? Is there overconfidence? Or are the Jets being overconfident?
3: No, I think they're saying what they need to be saying. Mm-hmm. This is actually a, a smart statement. You don't want to say, well, you know, we're turning in the right direction, but we have some things we need to work out. Don't give us that meat to chew on. Oh, so, there problems in New York already. Is he having trouble connecting with the new players? Mm-hmm. No, I don't, he didn't say that they're going to be the best team. He didn't say, I see, yeah. I see Super Bowl in our future. He said that, that they have answers. Mm. And guess what? For a lot of these guys, this is the first time they've really seen a real mm. quarterback. This is a new experience. True. Wow. Mm. Wow. That's what this looks like? That's what that sounds like? (laughs) That's how that goes? That's what this feels like? So this is a new experience. They should feel good about this. This is the first step. It's actually a positive step to me that at this point in the offseason, they're feeling good about themselves. Mm. This is a good thing.
1: I like that they're feeling good, but I think they are wildly overconfident why wildly uh, a couple reasons and one of my favorite quotes everybody got a plan until they get bomb punched mm. in the yeah. mouth yeah. how can you have answers when you don't even know all the questions that's my biggest thing again i'm not going What's to share w- questions though my questions is you don't even know necessarily what looks you're going to be getting so how can you have all these answers in practice you got a plan jay you hey, f- got a quarterback that's been doing this for 20 years Congratulations. Congratulations. No look, he ain't I seen. i love that but he ha- the, but the receivers haven't seen the looks The tight ends haven't all seen the looks. The running back, Brees Hall, he doesn't know if he's picking up the mic, if he's picking up the will, if he's picking up the Sam. He hasn't seen all the looks. In watching and being taken behind the curtain again, I was watching Kirk Cousins in that Netflix documentary in episode one, I won't spoil it all for you, but he talked about how week one, they beat the brakes off the Packers. You remember last year, Uh week one, Packers got revenge. They beat the brakes off of them in week one. (laughs) Kirk Cousins said, remember, (laughs) It was his first year with new head coach Kevin O'Connell. First year, he was like, yo, we was feeling great. Yeah. Beat the breakers, everything went, beat the breaks off him, everything went right. He said, week two, we went to Philadelphia. Mm. I think it was the first offensive play of the game. He didn't know if he should check out of a run or stay in the run. Mm -hmm. He ends up not checking out of the run, tackle for loss, and as you all watched the rest of the game, the rest was history. And Kirk was like, I was just unfamiliar with the offense. Mm -hmm. I thought I knew it all, Mm -hmm. but I was unfamiliar. Aaron Rodgers, like James has brilliantly said, he gonna be familiar. I ain't worried about him. Right. But there's still Brees Hall. There's still a rookie center, I believe. There's still Mekhi Becton, who missed all of last season. There's still Garrett Wilson, who's only a rookie. There's still Alan Lazard, who's now coming over, and he wasn't with Nathaniel Hackett for as long as Aaron Rodgers. Like, there are still some young players in that system. I don't think you can have all the answers, Slick. I think they're being too confident. Mm. Summertime,
2: when the living is easy and Mm. so is the talking. (laughs) Yes, I, I understand why they're confident. Yeah, of course. Of course. But I would also say that they sound... Overconfident because there are a lot of questions to be answered. It would, it, it would feel a lot different for me if this was Aaron Rodgers talking about this team <clears> this way. Fair. Right? Because he knows what a winning team looks like, he knows what success looks like. Brees Hall played seven games last year, mm-hmm. he started two. Garrett Wilson, new to the league. Like all the pieces that we're talking about that we're excited about and, and right should so. be right excited so. about, right? They don't know. They don't know enough to say, we can go do this going into a season before you've done anything. But they are going off of what they see, though. Then they have you've been
4: in OTAs with Aaron Rodgers. Sure. It looks totally different than it does last mm-hmm. year. Not about you know the way your defense played last year, me. lights out. Now you get a quarterback to come in here and some new pieces on defense and offense, and you're watching Aaron Rodgers command this offense back with his offensive coordinator, sure. right? So as a team, you went to Texas, I went to San Jose State. Yes, sir. We never came into the locker room saying we finna win the national championship. We, we, ain't, we ain't like that. We ain't, we ain't in there. Right. I'm sure you've been on teams coming into training camp like, oh, we got us a chance. Mm-hmm. You, you got what I'm saying, I'll right? You ain't ball. did nothing, showed nothing to the people out there, but from what you are seeing right now yep. on this practice field and what you've been seeing yep. p- previous years from them, you're like, oh, we, this team has a chance. That's where, that's where
1: Hall is coming from. But here's my thought, though, Joy and James. is like you don't even know that you don't know. Mm -hmm. I love, Jay, I always talk about this when I give speeches, when I talk about anything. It's like there are four quadrants of knowledge. I know that I know. I know that I don't know. I don't know that I know. I don't know that I don't know. Brees Hall don't even know that he don't know. How many defensive pictures has he seen? He knows 17 games. Different than last year doesn't mean it's
4: NFL championship Super Bowl. But that's where the confidence is coming from. He's coming off, you guys said he over, that's where his confidence is coming from. Okay. Like when I was healthy, our defense was balling, we were winning games when I was playing, right? And we are a quarterback away. And now I see AR8 walking this thing? Knowing what we got and knowing what we added, and you going to tell me to calm down and not be confident? No, no, you crazy. To be, to be
2: excited is one thing. <laughs> to be confident that you're going to do a certain thing. Look, are they going to be better? Nope. There's no question they're mm. going to be better. Yeah. Are they going to be good enough? Mm. That is what we don't he know. Joy, do.
1: why do you love this? You're not hard on Aaron Rodgers, but you have definitely been more uh, <laughs> tempered with your approach to Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. I'm trying to be polite. Yeah. Um Why do you love Mm. this from Brees Hall, young running back, albeit should be a beast? Why why, does this excite you? Because I don't
3: think this is an overconfident statement. You know me. I don't like wild predictions before anyone has played together. I didn't like when my Miami Heat went out and did one, not two, not three. Uh I I don't like all that. I don't like saying we're going to do things that we haven't even Mm -hmm. been together long enough to say confidently we're capable of doing. But I just don't think this is an overconfident statement. They should be feeling good about themselves. I don't believe that successful teams have have extreme doubt. You know this, yeah. you have to have a delusional ego to even play nope, in these, sure. <laughs> at this level. So I don't want him to come out and say something critical or say something that has a, a, a little bit of insecurity because then that's gonna cause a feeding, feeding frenzy for the media and for fans. I don't think this is a wild prediction. Okay, we have an answer for everything. Okay, everybody's looking good right now is how I, is how I internalize that. Do we know that this team hasn't played with Aaron Rodgers and they could get on the field and be trash? Okay. Obviously on the board, mm-hmm. but we don't know that. We're not in the, we're not in that point of the season yet to find that out. So he should be confident, and he's a young player. Mm-hmm. So when you have young players that are feeling good about themselves, who are seeing something new, who are seeing Aaron play at a high level, and again, their experiences have not been great. <laughs> <At all. laughs> they haven't seen this level of player yeah. at that position in the building. So I just I guess I'm not. I'm not super uh, reactionary to it because I don't think it's an overly confident statement.
1: This in and of itself, I agree with. I don't love this statement for more reasons than one. I really operated from a space of during during training and football humility, realizing and one of my favorite quotes, when you're practicing, remember, someone somewhere is working harder than you. And when you meet him, he will win. Like, mm-hmm. that's how I worked out every day yeah. in Texas. Like, mm-hmm. there's somebody in Oklahoma who's doing this harder Hold than down. me. Oh, that's the only and, way to and, go. And the day I see him, he will beat me. So mm-hmm. that's the space I operated from. But, James, the real reason I don't like it is, if you remember, Robert Sala gave them off mandatory minicam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those three days of mandatory minicam. Joy, when I start to put the puzzle pieces <laughs> together... Okay, you have a a second-year running back, by all means really a rookie because he didn't play the entirety of the season, saying we have answers for everything. Mm -hmm. You got a head coach who's so confident Mm -hmm. that the three days that are mandatory, he said, you know what? We're good enough. We're ahead of schedule. (laughs) Y'all good. I get it. They do play in the Hall of Fame game. They report earlier. But he's... Throwing away practice days that he has the option to to, 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 to obtain, that's where, James, I'm looking at the puzzle pieces, and I'm like, ah, y'all feeling yourself a little too much. But but we know how coaches are, right? Just like preseason. Coach Mike
4: used to tell us, you got two series if they look the right way. Mm -hmm. If they don't, you're going to stay up in that thing longer. So we like, hey, let's go out here. These two series, we're going to make this thing look the right way. If we go down there on the first series in preseason and score a touchdown, he said, that's yeah, it, you ain't due to, you out. He don't need to see no more. <laughs> I've seen all I need to see from Aaron Rodgers. This offense, my defense already big time, right? I just added some some new players that's going to come right in, some veterans drafted, some young players. We good. Aaron Rodgers has shown me chemistry with the receivers right now. I love how that. I don't need to see no more from you. You. you know
1: what? Let me ask oh, you this. take some days um, off. Slick, you brought this point up. It's probably a question you have. We'll get to break, but I got to ask you this first. You, you coach your kids, you tell me. Yes, sir. I believe there would be a difference between you, Jay, saying, you know what? Hey, we're good. We don't need to see no more. Uh-huh. And one of your young kids being like, hey, you know what? That was a good practice today. We don't need to see no more. Because you have experience to know what championship level football looks like probably at every level. If your kids were to say that, you'd be like, you don't even know what greatness looks like. Mm -hmm. To me, Brees Hall played at Iowa State, played good at Iowa State, but he played at Iowa State. He didn't play at Alabama, didn't play at Georgia, didn't play at Clemson. Who are you? Who are you, Robert Sala? Joy brings it up all the time. I think he only has 11 wins. I'm going off Joy's word. Yes, she's head nodding. Who are you, Robert Sala, who has 11 wins in two seasons to know what seen enough looks like? Mike McCarthy, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Got a Super Bowl. Yeah. If he wants to say hey, AJ two series you good come out. Yeah. But like Robert Sala you don't even know what greatness looks like. <laughs> so, so so
4: so first off right if you're in OTAs whatever they just was in and you see Aaron Rodgers come up to this huddle and I'm, 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 I'm gonna take you to to Brees Hall right now before I take you to the coach and you break the huddle with AR 12 and they come rolling in some, some funky coverage, bringing an exotic blitz or whatever, and he, hey, 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 check, 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 boom, boom, it boom ball out, check this door roll, whatever it may be, consistently, mm-hmm. right? As a young player, you sitting back there like, oh, my goodness, All right? We got answers mm-hmm. for everything. You got what I'm saying? And as a, as a defensive coordinator, defensive-minded coach, you call in plays, and Aaron is doing this to you, getting into the right play. You see him on the same page with the receivers. There's nothing else I need to see. We play in the the Hall of Fame game. Y'all go ahead and take a break. We got a dude
1: that's steering this ship, and we going in the right direction. I don't need to see no more. Well, we are still waiting on an answer to the most pertinent question in all of sports right now. Where will Damian Lillard play next season? Hmm. Will he actually get traded? Is that going to happen, or are we just believing a lie? That is next. You can check us out every day. Remember, remember, Fox Sports Channel on Sirius XM.
2: Hey, college football fans, Joel Klatt here, and I am so happy to announce my new interview series, The Joel Klatt Show Big Noon Conversations. Every Monday, we will bring you a candid conversation with the most influential voices in college football. From Colorado's Coach Prime to Coach Saban down in Tuscaloosa, we sit down and discuss all things college football. Download the Joel Clatt Show Big Noon Conversations
0: wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the new Joel Clatt Show YouTube channel. Getting ready to take on spring?
1: Welcome back, family. We are still on the Damian Lillard trade watch. Now, we've heard that the Blazers are taking their time, and they want to wait till February to trade him. They can. Miami is apparently Dame's preferred destination. But a report says that he, quote, chuckled (laughs) at the Blazers potentially (laughs) asking about Bam Adebayo. They chuckled, <laughs> chuckled. Oh, bam, oh, man. Okay. I like, how do you? <laughs> I just respect him, because you gotta try. You never know what you're gonna get, you gotta ask. But how how slick did that report conversation go? So when they asked about bam, we chuckled. <laughs> like... yeah. yeah.
2: So where are you going in Vegas tonight?
1: <laughs> um, Joy, in regards to all of this, because it has been chaotic, do you expect Dame to actually get traded this offseason?
3: Yes. It, it's been activated. Yeah. The, the, the bond has been broken. It's been announced. It's public now. We already told our families, like, we're moving forward <laughs> right. with this. Uh, absolutely, it's going to Already happen.
2: brought the other significant
3: Yeah, other Everyone's <laughs> met each other. Like, it's, you know, we're, 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 at that, we're at that place. The separation has been engaged. We've got lawyers. Anyway, um, that's where we are. It, it's, it's too public now. And really, when you think about it, it makes sense for both parties to part right now, Mm -hmm. which is why I not only believe that it will happen, but I think it will happen without too much drama. It feels like drama because it's taking a while, but as we know, there are conversations being had, even chuckles being shared (laughs) about this. And it just, it takes a little time. It took Mm -hmm. time to get Aaron Rodgers to New York, even though that was the place that he said he was going to go. Sometimes they move very quickly because there's just so much toxicity, everyone's like, whatever, what is it? Okay, we don't want that, dah, da, da. we'll get it done in a conversation. Right. Sometimes it takes a little longer, but this, doesn't, this hasn't reached the level of hostile to me yet. If the Blazers really were thinking logically, and I think that they are, once you take a step back from the announcement of it, they're just at two different places in, in life. There are two different timelines. They've grown apart, mm-hmm. right? Like the Blazers are a little hedge, and the, the dame is a trait. And it's time, it's time for him to bloom. Mm. And that's okay. They decided to go young. They decided to not move off of that, that pick and go young and take Scoot. So just reset for the future. You have an asset in Dame that you can go out and bring in more young players. And if you are the Portland Trailblazers, that strategy is the only one that you have in this modern NBA to build a contender. So why wouldn't you want all of the players that you have that are ascending Hmm. to be ascending at the same time? If you wanted to go all in and take advantage of Dame's talent at this point in Dame's career, you would have moved off that pick, you would have tried to bring in some veteran players and build a roster that you could compete with right now. Yeah, five years ago. Or right now with that pick (laughs) with with Scoot. But you decided not to do that. So the writing is on the wall within your own organization. Yes, Dame is great. Yes, Dame is the face of the organization. Yes, he sells tickets but we're going in different directions. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes Mm -hmm. everything in life comes from one way or the other. It's okay. It's totally okay.
1: I actually don't expect it to happen this offseason. I want it for several reasons. The first reason being Miami and Portland are way too far apart as it pertains to right now. One, if Portland is still asking for BAM, then Portland doesn't realize just exactly Mm. what Miami is willing to give Mm. up. Two, if Miami is in turn chuckling, then that is a sign of, Your offer is so outlandish, I can't even take you seriously, bruh. And we've all been there before. Hey, let me try to get this at this price. (laughs) Come back to me when you're serious. So I don't even think that they are are close, just based on what we're hearing. The second reason being is, we've seen this before. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin Durant wanted out of Brooklyn last summer. Mm. Kevin Durant did not get out of Brooklyn until Right before, right, after, right before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So we've seen players want out, but it just be delayed. And yeah. really the most important thing for me and Slick, so eager to hear what you have to say, is if a player really wants something, they do it themselves. We hear from them themselves. Mm-hmm. They activate themselves. Dame is still, as it stands right now, letting his agent do so much of the work. Mm-hmm. I respect it. Yeah. But when a player really wants something, Lamar Jackson, he didn't say nothing. Till finally he was like, you know what? What's up, Twitter? Yeah, because I, uh, I told the coaches I want to get out of there. Kyler Murray, you know what, what's up, Twitter? Delete, 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 delete. <laughs> Quinnan Williams, he just got played four years, 96 million dollars, second highest paid defensive tackle to Aaron Donald. Remember, he removed all of the Jets' uh, associational stuff on his social media. Aaron Rodgers verbally said himself, <laughs> sure. you know what, it's time for me to go. If a player really wants to get something done, if a human really wants to get something done, mm-hmm. I'm sure you all have assistants, people on your team, agents. When you finally get fed up, it's like you know what? I'm going to call him myself. I haven't seen that yet from Dame. That still tells me we have a little bit more room. We do have a little bit more room,
2: but I don't know if we have as much room as you're there. anticipating, which is that it would go into the season or that they'd, they'd, they'd play this game of chicken until somebody's got to drive off the cliff. Either Damien's not showing up to play or, uh, you know, they're telling him we're just going to hold on to you yeah. until, um, until we get the deal that we want. So I don't, I, I just look at, where he is he's turning 33 in two days the average age of their roster is 22.9 mm. right they are loaded with young guards right now so i i'm with joy in that the timing is right for both sides Damien wants to go win a championship right now he's not going to do that with this roster and one of the things that's not being considered here and I th- i'm sure miami is is going to point it out is you guys have a roster that's you're paying $177 million for right now. And that's over the luxury tax. Now, you can have a team that's headed for the lottery, and you can have an expensive roster. But when you have an expensive roster that's headed for the lottery, mm. that's not a good combination. <laughs> and that's what they're facing right now. And moving off of Dame and his $48 million, Would and then moving on 50 and then near damn near 60 the two years after that. This is the part that Miami's gonna say, Hey, look, the timeline with what Dame's making and your young guys and having to re sign them and where you are in the building of your team like that doesn't make any sense. Like, you guys need to get off that money. (laughs) Like, if you're gonna lose, at least lose cheaply. So, that's where I see this is just a matter of massaging it to the point where Portland realizes. Yeah, we're not going to get equal value back, yeah. but we gain something simply by being able to turn the page and saying this is now Scoot Henderson's and, and Shaden well, Sharp's team. Well, let's back up a little bit. Number one, I'm with Joy. He gone. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we know
4: that. He gone, right? Uh, locker room cleaned out. Uh, they already tell him neighborhoods to look in in Miami for <laughs> houses mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. But let's back up a little bit. Right. Management came out and said, you know what? We're going to try to get everything we can for Dame Dollar. Mm. And then they came back and said, we are going to do right by Dame Dollar. Right. So he ain't lying. Right. So if you're going to go to Miami and the trade, Dame Sandy want to go there and the trade is on the table. We gonna ask for certain players. Just you might say, yeah, we don't know. But we'll eventually get back to this and we'll come out with a good package for Dame, for Dame Lillard. But Dame is gone. And, and another reason he's gone is when you go through a situation like this, like Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers going back and forth, and we see how happy Aaron is now, he was checked out. Right? He was checked out just from Wisconsin Green Bay. He was, he was checked out. That's Dame Lillard. You've been in Portland so long. You've been trying to do it the right way. You've been loyal to the soil. Now you are checked out. Hmm. I'm with Joy again. It ain't time for Dame to come out and start acting a fool and tweeting and all that. Because we're still early in this. They having the conversation, so it ain't no need for me to act a fool yet. But if it do keep going and lingering and maybe yep. get close to the season, then I do think Dame will come out and be like, get me up out of there.
2: I would consider this, too. Damien's always done it different. Like, his loyalty to Portland. He's, he When he's come out and made a statement, when it's – it's you know somebody lebron wants him to come to the lakers or wherever it might be right yeah. he's been very definitive in coming out and saying no 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 i'm staying in portland come he's on, told you what he needed to let you know where things were but he only did it when it got to a point where the noise got too loud and i don't think the noise is loud enough for him right now and and secondly i think if he can find a way to do this without Having to say Portland has done me wrong, that he preferred to do it that way,
4: because it's Slick. just the way he's the way Slick. he's approached You've you been in the Bay for 25 years. You know how we rock in the Bay, man. Head down to the soil, man. We loyal. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's how we get out. Amen. You found out sickle
1: from the Bay. You know what I'm saying? That's okay. You you just yeah, found I should have known a long time ago the way you've been uh, talking. Ah, uh, <laughs> <just,
3: just, laughs>
2: We got a yeah. fast
1: friend. Sometimes you can just feel it. Fastest, <laughs> yes, fast friend. Yeah, a lot of day on this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Coming up, it's the most interesting topic of the day. It's really the most important one. Saquon Barkley, a little bit more than three days to get a deal done, or the superstar running back might sit out <laughs> the entirety of next season. What's next for Saquon? That's next on Speak.
0: soccer fans are you ready for the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup because we are that's right Australia New Zealand look out State of the Union is coming the and we'll be going above and beyond down under we'll have new podcast episodes every single match day so follow Alexi Lalas's State of the Union on the Fox app YouTube or wherever you get your
5: podcasts hey folks it's your man Keyshawn Johnson here to talk about Angie formerly known as Angie's List
1: Saquon Barkley Giants, they have until Monday, America, to get a long-term deal done. After Monday, he can only play this season on the franchise tag. But here's the problem. He doesn't want to play on the franchise tag. Word on the street, the Giants offered him $13 million a year. He wanted $16 million a year. This is what the reports say. New York Giants offered star running back Saquon 13 a year, 26 over the first two years. That's what sources tell pro football talk. But Saquon quote tweeted that simply, cap emoji, cap emoji. Basically, if you don't understand that, if you're older than maybe 39, (laughs) I'll give James credit. Ah, there we Uh, go. (laughs) Kids keep you young. you know what I'm
3: saying? That means
1: what you talking about willis slick, you be asking for way too many explanations <laughs> in the group chat
3: that is not really good no, no, no 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 don't not? Sell, don't sell slick out like that it was a very complicated situation slick didn't know what O no. S stood for he no. thought it
2: was of not what? only
1: things no.
3: what that's a good thing <laughs> I, I, I maintain that as a group I, I did
2: not ask that question. Yeah. You it, was, asked a lot it had of to do with baby mama. We're not supposed baby
3: to share group slick chat like, conversations on this show. <laughs> that's true. You're going to sanitize the group I, chat. No, you know I'm Slick from so the
4: base. I'm going to have his back. I'm going to try to work my way.
3: You can't, you can't expose. Out. We're gonna get a jar. No, we're, gonna I got get a, you, we're gonna get a. It's not a swear jar because we can't swear. Up it yet. is a group, oh. chat, a group jar. chat jar.
1: You gotta put dollars. <laughs> You're right. Oh y'all. Oh y'all. Oh y'all. Okay, Saquon Barkley. To remind you all, he was fourth in the National Football League last year in rushing yards. Saquon Barkley has had over 2,000 yards all-purpose in a season before. That's incredibly hard to do. He is a superstar running back. The problem they are at an impasse. Giants. They want Saquon to play on the tag. Saquon. He doesn't want to play on that one-year ten. Million dollar deal. He wants longer term guarantees. Yes. Jay, what side are you on? Whose side are you on? I'm on Saquon Barkley's
4: side 24 7. He has earned the right to get a new contract. He's earned the right to be one of the highest paid running backs in the National Football League. He's let you know that, hey man, I'm not trying to reset the market. I just wanna get paid for what I Mm -hmm. think I'm valued at, right? And when you look at some of these running backs, that's making some money, right? Obviously you got Christian McCaffrey up there at 16 million. You got Joe Mixon and those boys around 12 million. Alvin Kamara at 15 million. Let's meet at 14. Like, this is really frustrating to me because we see this happen 24-7. And it's frustrating because why don't people want to pay their star players? I do not understand it. I can understand if you have a star player that is a cancer to the team, you know what I mean? Not really good in the locker room and all that. Then yes, you have reasons to be like, you know what, man, we don't like how he is in the locker room, so look, we ain't gonna guarantee him no long-term contract. Saquon Barkley is a New York Giant and has done it the right way since he has stepped on that field and stepped in that locker room for you. So it's really frustrating when you find ways to pay other guys on the team and you're beating around the bush to pay your superstar Mm -hmm. players. And if we look at it right now, you're probably talking about one to two million dollars that they off. like. You can't take care of your guy for one or two million dollars and be able to restructure this thing or do it the way that Saquon Barkley is happy to get him in the building. And like Joy said yesterday, y'all not serious about winning it if you cannot get the best player on your football team in the building happy to play some football.
1: I like that. I like that take a lot. If I had to pick a side, I was here. I'm on the giant side. And the reason I'm on the giant side is because $10 million is no small fee. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm on the giant side is because if Saquon Barkley were to play on the tag this year, worst case scenario okay, you get tagged again next year. You're talking about $22 million guaranteed over two years. The only players making more than that would be Christian McCaffrey. That would be fair. Joe Mixon, I'd be like, oh, I understand Christian that. McCaffrey been healthy his whole career? He has not at all. So He's been all pro. He's been all pro. Derrick Henry? You've been all pro. That's hard to do. Uh, Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry leads the league in rushing your active uh, running back. I'm saying you could put Saquon Barkley's you numbers could. in there, too, you absolutely if you want to. And that but is fair.
4: I'm just saying you keep bringing up injuries. These other dudes been injured and... Paid, Alvin Kamara injured and paid. I'm not
1: saying that is unfair. What I'm saying is, Saquon would now be in the conversation with those gentlemen. He would be in that dialogue. It's not like Saquon is in a whole nother room. If he is making the same amounts of money as Kamara, as Mixon, as, as, as Henry, as McCaffrey, I'd say to myself, you know what, that is fair. It's kind of like, don't let the franchise tag play you, play it instead. We saw Kirk Cousins do it. And if I'm not mistaken, Kirk Cousins has made more money than just about every other player at the position. Dak Prescott was en route to doing it, and he still played the Dallas Cowboys. Different position, I get it. But really, what is operative there is, are you going to stay healthy and are you invaluable? So I, if I have to pick a side, I'm on the giant side. But $10 million, I won't scoff at.
2: Yeah, well, giant side. Here's the thing. Um, oh, gee. Christian McCaffrey has been injured, but timing is everything. Christian McCaffrey was, was healthy through his first three years, played all 16 games, had 2,000 uh, total yards, uh, 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving. And then he signed the deal that he got. Mm-hmm. Saquon only got two years in of healthy, 16 and 13 games, and then, and then broke down. So he didn't get the opportunity for them to invest in him in the same way. So the problem that I have is not that I don't want to see Saquon, because to James' point, like he's done everything right. He is the, the heart of why your team goes offensively. But am I going to invest in that at Christian McCaffrey level money? What I don't know is I'm hearing that I mean, we've gotten two things. He wants Christian McCaffrey money. They're offering cap. $13 million, right? He said both of them cap. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so what's the <laughs> truth? I don't know what the truth 14 is. Fourteen right? million.
4: What? Fourteen million in that ballpark.
2: Uh, I, I, if that's the case, and then the Giants don't do that, then I would say, you, so, you, look, for fourteen million, that seems reasonable to get this done, right? I just don't know. So based on what I know or what has been reported. I can't pay him Christian McCaffrey money because he may not be trying to reset the market, but the market seems to be being reset for running backs now. We oh, are see, seeing not, less being invested Sa- in
4: that. I know Joy has to go, but that's not Saquon Barkley's fault. Saquon Barkley is. is the next man up, right? These quarterbacks. Is Kyler Murray the best quarterback in the National Football League? He was the next quarterback up right. to break the bank. Who's next after him? Lamar Jackson. Who's gonna be next after him? Jojo Burrow. Right? He's next. So even what, with what Christian McCaffrey got, with what Saquon Barkley has done, Dane, there's the same stuff that Christian McCaffrey done, but he's just the next guy. And you gotta pay him like that. And that's all he's saying.
3: The Giants are 42-71 and one since 2016. Mm. They are 28 and 53 Mm. since 2018. I don't care what the Giants have to say about (laughs) anything. This is why I'm very picky with praise of organizations. Now the Giants have had their moments of success, of course, but it ain't been recent, Mm. not even kind of recent. So if I'm going to refer to or default to, now this organization knows what they're doing, you're gonna have to put together a string of a few more years than one nine-win season And then jump to pay Daniel Jones, which, by the way, you messed that up, too, which is why you had to pay him so much. Mm -hmm. So cry me a river about that as well. That was your fault that you had to pay Daniel Jones that. You could have done that deal earlier. And you know why you didn't? Because Daniel Jones wasn't that good. Mm -hmm. So now you're in a situation where the best player, not just the best player on your team, Mm -hmm. the only reason we have said the New York football giants in the past four years is Saquon Barkley. Well, well, The only person that we talk about on that roster <coughs> for the last four years has been Saquon Barkley. Now, look, I don't believe in loyalty when it comes to professional sports, but I do believe in strategy, no. right? I do believe in commitment and Saquon just came off of a great year. If we're arguing for this with Saquon and he had a, a great year Thank the God. year before and was injured, okay, I, we can can, can entertain that. But he's he's come off of a year where he's not only healthy mm-hmm. to the top of the league, mm-hmm. but also with our eyeballs, yeah. we watched him win those games. You should look at
4: Acho when you say those last couple of parts. He's healthy. <laughs> I
3: know I know I appreciate the choir with you. James, <laughs> I'm just saying I, I I don't see how you could be this far apart with your best player. I don't like when organizations act shocked. Oh, my God, it's time to pay Saquon Barkley? Nobody, I, I missed that. Did it go to my spam? I missed that memo that this was coming up. Plan for this. Strategize for this. This is a player that wins you games. Mm. If you want to play around with this type of player's money, that sends a message to me without the, or, throughout the organization because you can't be that far apart on this money. Saquon's the next, next man up. All those other guys that you mentioned have been injured. Running backs get injured. And I understand that there's a certain market for running backs that's been flexible and gone down over the years and we value them and we don't value them. But Saquon Barkley is Saquon. We're not talking about some guy who had some breakout year. So I just don't understand how you can be this far apart on the money, spread it out so that the guaranteed money is reasonable. You can give them a longer deal with the guaranteed money upfront, restructure other people's contracts. It's just, I, I can't default to tr- trusting the Giants. What, what am I you, trusting the Giants for? Can, can we
1: default to this? Because I think this is fair. Hmm. I can default at minimum to trusting Brian Dable. 2022 coach of the year. It's hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of he coaches. Did it, he did it for a lot one of year. Minds. He, he did it for, for one, one year. year. We also saw what he did with Josh Allen. And he did that for a couple years. We can scoff at that. We can laugh at that. We can ha-ha and kiki at that mm-hmm. if we want to. But we can also look at the numbers. I and have say, a lot of respect you know for Brian Dayball. So, Brian Dayball was not a part of not picking up Saquon Barkley's fifth-year fifth option. Nor was the Brian Dayball was not a part of not picking up Daniel Jones' fifth-year option. Brian Dayball was a part of Daniel Jones having the best season of his career. Yep. And Brian Dayball was a part. He was not maybe the main part. We can argue everything. But he was a part of Saquon Barkley having his best year since 2019. A part of it. Oh, he wasn't a
3: part of it. At Saquon all. was Saquon before, but, of course, at, that, yes. at that position, uh, at that position, like I have a lot of respect for Brian Dayball. He did but, a great you job. Believe... but you better believe you can put the Daniel Jones thing with Brian Dayball. I don't want to hear. It I about know. I said. I but
4: you think... better believe Brian Dayball had a lot of say-so uh, d- in no bringing doubt. back Daniel Jones. No doubt. I so agree. where's
1: the say-so for 20 Because My thought is this. And again, I said he was a part mm-hmm. of Saquon Barkley's success. He clearly was a part of Saquon Barkley's success. Where is the say-so is? It's $10 million. Who who
4: was a part of Saquon Barkley's success? Brian Dable. He put the 30th ranked offensive line in front of Saquon.
1: Okay, so if you put the 30th ranked offensive line together and you know you can still scheme up and help scheme up 1,300 yards for an individual, that's doing something. Because you know schematically, and we talked about it off camera, if you can scheme up something and allow Daniel Jones to rush for 750 yards, you're doing something right. I know you
4: are a football mind and you my dog. Did you see some of them runs Saquon Barkley made? this season I on saw the, the football run. field. I saw the run. It had nothing to do with scheme. No, it had nothing to do with blocking. That's objectively it false. It had everything to do with Saquon, that's, and Saquon made why, this team an
1: offense Here's better. why that is objectively false. I have to watch and re-watch the Minnesota Vikings game versus the New York Giants in the playoffs in preparation for watching the Eagles play the Giants. And schematically, Saquon Barkley's long touchdown run was a pleasure of scheme. Eric Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, the linebacker for the Vikings were like, zoom, 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 zoom. And you, Saquon going to the end zone.
4: So so I went to a couple of Giants games, especially the one in London, and I seen a lot of schemes that they was running too. A couple of the schemes, the quarterback was on the sideline. 26 was that quarterback. That was a scheme, right? I don't know too many people that that's going to take their quarterback off the field. But, but, you know, but what I'm getting to is you know 26 is your best player. You cannot scheme like that if 26 is not there. We talked about it yesterday. When 26 is there off the bus, we got to stop him. Not stop Daniel Jones, not stop the receivers that's out there. We have to stop 26. Here's what And I he say. was able to scheme because he had a guy oh, the, only like thing, 26. the only
1: thing I will say is Brian Dable has enough of a sample size in my mind as an OC, mm-hmm. as an HC, and as that's an why offensive coach. for me and to he trust He got
4: a big sample size, too, to give him his bread. He
1: does. He <laughs> does. But, like, I, I will default. If I can trust somebody, I will trust Brian Dable. Giants, no. But dayball, mm. have no choice.
4: Hey. Have no choice. Hey, hey, y'all, y'all apologize for Acho, man. I know, I know, he sounds like he, well, he ain't our brother. He didn't strap on a helmet and come on the field, backing right. with the organization. But I'm with you. I feel where you're coming from.
1: Businessman, <laughs> sir. I'm a, a businessman. Coming up, it is World it's Cup business, season, man. and we cannot wait. Ali Wagner will join us to talk about all of the things leading up to the FIFA Women's World Cup. That is next on Speak. What's up? I could not be more excited about the conversation we are about to have. We are joined by the person who is the lead match analyst for the FIFA Women's World Cup. And we'll call every U.S. women's national team match on Fox. It's Allie Wagner. Allie, what is going on? How are you?
6: I mean, I'm loving, loving that intro. Can I get those beats in my, in my ears as I head off
1: to the World Cup, please? I love uh, it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, let's start here. This team could make history. It could be the first World Cup team, men's or women's, to win three consecutive World Cups. Yeah. 15, 19, this women's team won. Where does the 23 team stack up versus the two prior teams?
6: Oh, that is a complicated question because the field, the competitive field is so much better than it even was in twenty fifteen and twenty nineteen. So so you have to take it with a full picture and and recognize that before there was maybe, you know, three teams, two teams that could actually go the distance and win it. I think this World Cup around most competitive we'll ever see or we've ever seen in the women's game. And there's probably about seven real players that could go win it. So much more difficult landscape for this U.S. squad to navigate. But I think they do have some exciting young potential. that could have breakout moments in this World Cup. And they're going to have to, quite honestly, if this team is going to go the distance. Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman um, at the back line. Naomi Gurma's is going to have a big, big, big tournament. So I think the reality is, you know, this squad is, is not as prepared as we've seen in the past. And it's a more difficult landscape um, because the competitive environment has just grown in the women's game. But when it's the U.S. in a world in tournament, you don't bet against them.
3: Allie, everybody knows the big names, Megan Rapino, Julie Ertz, Crystal Dunn, and Alex Morgan. But who do you see as the breakout stars of the tournament for the U.S. women's national team?
6: You know, I think the the one name that has been front and center and for good reason is Sophia Smith. She was the NWSL MVP last season and she's had a strong season uh, already to this point in this uh, regular play, regular season play, I should say for the NWSL. This player is incredibly dynamic. She's a 1v1 artist. She can eliminate defenders on a whim and she knows how to finish. So She's going to have to have a really big tournament if this team is going to make a deep run. I would also say Trinity Rodman. Um, You know the name well, daughter of Dennis Rodman. But she is actually likely going to fill in for the injured Mallory Swanson, formerly known as Mallory Pugh. And so she's going to be in the starting position, which I don't think we anticipated coming into the World Cup, uh, except for that injury to Mallory. So that's a big loss for the U.S., but a big opportunity for Trinity. You saw it in that entrance video. Trinity Rodman had a brace, youngest player to do so in that send-off game against Wales here in the Bay Area, and she's primed for a massive breakout because she's just young and fearless enough to not understand what she's about to head into on the world stage. Biggest World Cup to date.
3: Does the youth of this team make you nervous? And if it doesn't, what else Mm -hmm. concerns you about this roster?
6: I don't know that it makes me nervous. It actually makes me excited. I mean, I think when you – Think about top teams top players in in the world they're players that that want to take responsibility and live in the limelight and i think that's what we have with some of these young players that they want to exist in that space and this is their massive opportunity for, for for them to announce themselves on the world stage so i don't worry about the young players um what i do worry about though is that that the coming together, the, the the cohesiveness of the unit of the squad, because you do have that experience, as you said, Joy, of Alex Morgan, Megan Rapinoe. Uh, but those are players that are in their fourth World Cup, you know, and they're players that maybe aren't as hungry. So, What does that experience look like? How are they imparting their wisdom to this younger generation? How are they actually coming together uh, and communicating in a way that is putting the team above the self? Because I think these generations, these younger generations, it's just a different landscape for them to navigate. And they're all about building their personal brand. And what's been done so well in the history of the U.S. program is that that we've been a better team than anyone else. So that's going to be one of the biggest challenges, I think, for the squad as they head off to that group stage in New Zealand. And hopefully, you know, some of the knockout games come Australia.
1: What is the biggest challenge individually? You played on two World Cup teams yourself. The World Cup, more unique than any other sport in the fact of, in the NFL, you might have to leave home for a week, maybe two, if you're going east coast to west coast and you're playing back-to-back west coast teams. The NBA, you might go on a seven- to ten-day road trip. But the World Cup, you're talking about a month-plus, being in a completely foreign territory, foreign food, foreign beds, away from your family. Really take the viewer into the mind of, like, how difficult is that, and what is the most difficult piece?
6: Oh, the, you're, you're asking a really good question. Um, I, I think one of the biggest challenges for those players is the boredom and, and the monotonous repetition of what they're about to embark upon. You said it. I mean, if they go the distance, they're gone away from home probably, I think it's about 30, 38 days or so. And you're with the same people. And as much as they now have chefs, we didn't have chefs, to be clear. So their experience is different from mine. Uh, As much as the chefs will try to change up the food, it's going to be the same food. Uh, I just did an interview, actually, with a couple of the players uh, the other day, and they told me they have breakfast sweatshirts. I said, what do you mean you have a breakfast sweatshirt? And I said, yeah, yeah, we have breakfast sweatshirts because what the sweatshirt you wear to breakfast ultimately smells like breakfast and it's so disturbing. So we, we take off our breakfast sweatshirt and we put it in the corner of our room and then we go about the rest of our day. And then the next morning we put that same breakfast sweatshirt on. Like these are these are really, really small details that these players have to deal with, if you will, and that's like first world problems, let's be real. Um, but, but it's just that repetition of the same food, the same people you're having the conversation with. And oh, by the way, on top of that, you need to be existing at your peak over the course of that whole month. And that is different to your point of, of going on the road, playing a game, coming home, going on the road, playing a game, coming home. They have to be at their best every day because it's competitive and training to keep, continue to earn that starting spot. And then the game rolls around and they better show up, uh, or, or they're going to be showed out. So the, the reality is to keep yourself in that mental, uh, uh, on that mental edge, if you will, to perform at your best while you're existing in a space that is monotonous and relatively boring, uh, it's, it's a challenge. It, it really is. And you'll look back on the world. What's incredible about, I think, these world tournaments is that you look back on them and, and you realize, did I enjoy that? Like you ask yourself that question because the games you love, the rest of the time is a drag, and and you've got to keep yourself entertained. You got to get creative about how you how you spend those minutes, those moments.
3: Allie, I got to ask you about the NWSL. It's expanding rapidly, and you're the co-chair of Bay Football Club. Yes. Our show went to an Angel City game together as a, a show outing. We had. An incredible experience. So I'm I I will come support Bay Football Club. But I, I gotta say I'm an Angel City fan. But
6: how wait, wait 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 Joy, if I send you like some swag, are you really not gonna be a big? Look at that emblem. Look at that crest. It's on. great. We can it's, convert you. Can it's convert beautiful. You? I, I,
3: I, I got to be loyal, but I will definitely post for you. I will support. It will be <laughs> team okay. number two. I have multiple teams in the NFL, so I can do that. I, I will do that. Baby steps. Yeah. Baby steps. <laughs> How important is the U.S. women's national team's dominance internationally to the growth of women's soccer here in the U.S.?
6: It's, it's really everything, quite honestly. I mean, the U.S. soccer program, the women's program specifically, um, yeah, come at me. They have set the standard in football, Um, so so they've driven. They've they've driven. They've been on the frontier, right, pushing new frontiers for the course of time, and and so for the U.S. to do well, um, we will continue to set that global standard, and that is massive for our league for the NWSL. And it's massive, I think, for the other federations, for the other leagues, because the U.S., we're the leaders in this space. We invest in this space. We've invested from day one. I mean, our club alone has the largest institutional institutional investment in women's sports with our, our leading investor in Sixth Street. So the reality is we need these our women to be successful to continue to drive the sport forward. And, and I think the world can get behind that as much as they might not want to because we've been the trendsetters in this space. I would say, though... The beauty of the acceleration of women's sports, of women's soccer in particular globally, is that now you do have other places you can go and play and that the game is growing in all these other markets. So I don't think the sport falls behind um, if the U.S. doesn't win, but I do think it accelerates the growth if we do.
1: Final question, Allie. Outside of the game itself, what are you looking forward to most this World Cup personally?
6: I'm looking forward to seeing New Zealand. I mean, I heard this is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Although it is winter, I'm not happy about that. FIFA, can we get together on our scheduling? I was in Qatar during Christmas. Now and then, winter and summer. Um, you know, I'm excited to see New Zealand. And and quite honestly, I I'm in such a different place in my life now that I'm excited just go enjoy the people that that are growing this game that love this game and taking it all in because as a player as I said you get really tunnel vision about absorbing the whole experience as a broadcaster I tend to have the same kind of uh, mentality and approach that I got to be on my game I got to be focused I just want to go and enjoy the people that I'm around because you know that's what it's all about in the end is we're having experiences along with trying to I think move the conversation forward in women's sports well, thank you, Allie,
1: so much for joining us. We will be both listening and watching and proudly wearing our USA Swag. Yes. Y'all see That's it. And
6: your AFC swag. <laughs> yes. swag.
1: That is well, well, sure. women's quest for historic World Cup three-feet. It starts with a primetime showdown against Vietnam. That's next Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern, only on Fox. Coming up... Giannis and Steph Curry have been on their team for a very long time, but does loyalty matter in the NBA? That's next on Speed.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools.
1: with the teams that drafted him last time I checked. Well, when I checked on social media last night, I saw something very interesting, James. I saw somebody tweeted the last two remaining loyal players in the league. They don't make them like this anymore. With the picture of Giannis and Steph celebrating, Giannis quote tweets with the prayer, hands a mo Uh Joy, does loyalty matter? Because obviously Dame Lillard in the height of him trying to get traded, this is most pressing. Does loyalty matter in the NBA?
3: No, it does not. Um, Giannis is very loyal, though. He's still on Twitter, so there's, the, there's that. Uh, <laughs> loyalty has never mattered in the NBA. It's never been important. Yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, does anyone want to call him uh, disloyal? Anyone want to step up? Step up to the plate? No. Nope. No? Pass? On him, yeah. Ah, I'm sure. It's a good choice. <laughs> you ready to call Kareem a disloyal individual, Slick? Because almost 50 ah, years ago, not going there. he said, trade me.
4: Trade. get me gone.
3: I would like to leave. Yeah. Make it happen. Yep. And no one is calling Kareem disloyal. You know why? Because he's not a disloyal person. The NBA is a business. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. loyalty and business do not go together. Mm-hmm. You can try. You will spend a lot of time mm. sifting through that nonsense. Because it's not real. Now, commitments in business are important. We usually have them on paper and we both sign them. So it's a legal document that if someone decides to change their mind, we take it to somebody and we sort that out. The idea of loyalty, it's too big of a word. It's too emotional of a word. I know, like, you know, women were supposed to be the emotional ones, but like you gotta compartmentalize things. You are a writer. We all speak on television. Words are very important. People pick apart our words. We pick apart words from athletes and break down. You know, are they overconfident for saying mm-hmm. that they have answers for everything? It's what we do. So loyalty is a word that should not get thrown around because it stirs emotions. If someone calls you disloyal, that's crazy. You am, mm-hmm. I am not disloyal. It's like calling someone a coward. It's mm-hmm. fighting words. No doubt. But it doesn't make sense. You can't call somebody a coward in any setting because mm-hmm. that, that means a lot. So, no, loyalty doesn't matter in the NBA. And and I know it's nice to have players that stick with organizations. <laughs> Y'all from the Bay. Yay, yay! Yay! Steph is in like a pretty nice situation. Mm. It's easy to be loyal when somebody's <laughs> loyal back to you. Say mm. that one more
4: time. Ugh. Everything good over there. Uh, mm. you,
3: know, you know what I'm saying, like going to work every day, you happy, you yeah. win the championships, organizations, developing players, got mm. a great coach, Owner willing to spend anything, yeah. build a new facility. You live in Silicon Valley. How you about Giannis? You win a championship, win they a want to bring in an
4: MVP the next year. Giannis,
3: Giannis. What was Giannis doing before they uh, went out and brought Drew Holiday in? Mm. Who else they got up there? Lopez. Who else they got up there? Lopez. Mm. He wasn't drafted there. P.J. Tucker. Chris Middleton. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. It's easy to be loyal to an organization when they go out and get great players to put around you. Mm-hmm. Giannis is a great player. He want not win nothing without those guys. Who brought them in? Was Giannis out there recruiting them? Right. Sure wasn't. The Milwaukee Bucks were. Yeah. So it's easy to be loyal when someone wakes up every day. Good morning. You want your coffee? How's your day? You get home at night, got a nice meal, mm-hmm. house is clean. That's easy to be loyal to. Yeah. And some people are not even loyal to that. Right. So I can't, I you, you really have to establish what
1: I was, it is. I was gonna I let her finish cooking. I would
3: do the whole cook. How much um, time we got left? Like five uh, minutes? I got plenty uh, more. You got better. more.
1: Um
4: Loyalty matters. If anybody got anything to say, loyalty. that's my dog. <laughs>
1: that's my dog. Loyalty, uh, <laughs> loyalty absolutely matters. Now, there's a lot to say. The first thing I'll say is, if loyalty did not matter, then oh. that ring that LeBron James won in Cleveland would not have been so emotional, not only to the Cleveland fans. I was drafted to the oh, Cleveland Browns. I know those fans. What do you though? I'm not speaking about the town. I'm just speaking about loyalty. If loyalty did not matter, Dirk Nowitzki would not have Nowitzki Boulevard named after him in downtown Dallas. If loyalty did not matter, then we wouldn't think as highly of Tim Duncan. Remember, I went to college in Austin. Alamo Dome in San Antonio is an hour and a half down the road. If loyalty did not matter, Kobe Bryant's mural, God rest his soul, may not be as plastered all over Los Angeles as it is. Obviously, Kobe said he wanted out, but he did not leave. Loyalty matters. Furthermore, loyalty is also dependent upon a two-way relationship. I will say it once, and I will say it again. Drew Holiday is a very good player. He's a close friend of mine. Friend of mine. I won't say close friend. He's a friend of mine. Drew Holiday had been to one All-Star game in 2012-2013 before joining the Milwaukee Bucks. Chris Middleton had not been to an All-Star game before Giannis was an MVP. Dirk Nowiski, when he won a championship, he won it with Jason Terry, who wasn't even anything but a sixth man of the year and he did not become a sixth man of the year until he joined Dirk Nowiski. How great are players once they join a great player and does that great player make those players even greater? So I do believe loyalty matters but I also believe situations are great dependent upon how great you can make that situation albeit you do have help but I do think Slick it is your responsibility to elevate your help.
2: Yeah. Loyalty does matter and I I am shocked that Joy Taylor is going to say that it does not matter when the team in Miami is built Friendship. on loyalty. Friendship. They're consistent. Well, loyalty can, is a two-way street. Ain't well, it, but though? I'm, but, I'm, but I'm saying, are we talk, are we talk talking, about it, Slick. It's a talking, two-way street. We talking loyalty to your teammates or our organization? But does it matter? Uh, uh, To an organization. Okay. And the Miami Heat have demonstrated. Unitas Haslam has been there 150 years. Maybe 151. (laughs) He's he's been there forever. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. Brian Grant, they acquired in the Power Forward, right? Had to move heaven and earth to make that work for contract reasons. And then when they had a chance to get Shaquille O'Neal, they traded him away. And Brian had done nothing but worked hard for the Miami Heat, sacrificed his body. When Alonzo Mourning got hurt, he he suddenly had to play center. And he had lightened up to play down there. Now he had to play play a a much tougher position. When he left, Pat Riley said, he he wrote him a, a, a note and said, this is a forever card. If you ever need me at any time, you call me. And I will be there for you. And when Brian was contracted with Parkinson's and he had a fundraiser, Pat Riley was there. Pat Riley not only had the Miami Heat donate to the fund, but he said, me and my wife are going to match what they are giving. That counts. Players know that. Pa- players understand that. Now, Miami Heat ask a lot of every player, but any player who delivers They stand by them. And to me, that is as big a part of the culture as anything else that the Miami Heat have. And it's why they have been consistently good and great in spite of whoever they get. Great story. Um, But
4: that's my dog. And I got a question for you. You play in the National Football League. Are organizations loyal? The most, not at all. Not, thank you. So you guys are touching on one or two players here and there to where an organization may have shown loyalty. We played in the National Football League for a very long time. If you they feel like you paid one more dollar than you should be making, bye-bye. They feel like you coming off an injury and you ain't that same player, bye-bye. It is zero loyalty. Same thing in the NBA. It is zero loyalty to the players. So you shouldn't have no loyalty towards the organization because these organizations consistently – have not shown loyalty to the players in no profession. If you can't get the job done, even though you done played through injury, you done did all this stuff for the for the organization, you may have brought the organization a championship. It does not matter. What we're looking at right now, you can't help us. It's zero loyalty, right? That, that That's just how it is, right? And, yes, you got certain players that Giannis and, and Steph Curry, but – they weren't on terrible teams, so they really didn't have an opportunity to show a lot of loyalty. Bron Bron didn't go back to Cleveland to a terrible team to say, I'm here with you, Cleveland, loyal. No, he went back to superstars because he knew they had an opportunity to win a championship. And yes, he was proud he was able to do that for a City. These organizations, since the leagues have started, have not shown loyalty to the players. And that's why when you walk into the National Football League or NBA, number one, the National Football League stand for not long. Number two, you know when you walk in that door, I'm probably not going to play for one team for my whole career, no matter how great I am. You could go back to the Brett Farr's, the Eli Mannings, the Kurt Warners, whoever you want to go to, right? Great superstars going to have statues up in front of the stadium and all that. You know what? Peyton, your time has come. You know what, Brett? We got a young phenom behind you. You done gave this organization 19 years. We appreciate you. It's time to go. They've (laughs) never showed loyalty. So as for
1: players, there's no reason for you to show loyalty to them. Period. I, I agree with both you and Joy in the fact of I don't think loyalty should be mandated. But I do think loyalty is often rewarded. That's where I'm getting at. Like, it, I think look, look, at look at, at what Saquon Barkley is you going
3: through right now. We, we, <clears throat> we, it was the top of the show. We're talking about Saquon Barkley. The only reason we talked about the Giants for the past four years. Mm. They've been terrible, mm. terrible, irrelevant. Not competitive, not relevant within their own division that is won by a different team every single year. They have been irrelevant. And they are trying not to pay him. Yeah. Mm. They're well, not, it's not about being rewarded. Or, and it's. I hear what you're saying about culture, and I do think that, that matters. But, but I don't drastic... think it's about loyalty. You, the, the story that you're telling is about a guy that they let go. Relationships within organizations are, or organizations ke- treating players with respect, mm. respect is different than loyalty. You understood. can respect someone and respectfully mm-hmm. not work with them anymore. Yeah. You can respectfully leave them. They're, the problem I have with this is, first of all, I know too much. And once I know something, I can't go back. I can't unlearn, I can't unsee. Mm-hmm. And the stories that I've heard mm-hmm. and the experiences that I have watched with my own eyeballs of organizations tossing players that they had once put on this massive pedestal, just, just, just tossing Understood. them aside. Hold on, tossing them aside. That doesn't mean at the end of the day that your relationship with that organization won't be resolved, Mm -hmm. that when you retire, you won't go back and solve things and and be a face for them again or be an advocate for them or go back and and rekindle those relationships or even go work for that team again. There's all variations of it. But the idea of loyalty is what I struggle with because it villainizes players. It doesn't villainize organizations. Mm -hmm. Organizations always get away with cutting players, trading players, moving off of players, retiring players, retiring coaches. They always get away with it it as they should because the organization's goal should be winning and rewarding the fans True. but what i don't like about loyalty is it always puts players individuals Man. who have short mm-hmm. careers who put their bodies on the line and puts them in a villainous space because of a big loaded word that shouldn't apply to business
4: yeah. and 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 it goes back and i, I go, know back.
1: you gotta, gotta go. go we'll come back you, you, lucky. Come back. Ooh, you, you look back <laughs> you i sat here and listen. <laughs>
3: I told y'all we was gonna fight for it,
1: <laughs> it. came on. When we return, we will finish this loyalty conversation. I think Slick has a next that's word, good. but that's honestly, James All might good. get in there. So you don't All have good. to fight for this no word. word. I no,
3: that's I, I feel like I said what I needed to say.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, good stuff, man. Let's get back to our loyalty conversation. Catching those up. There was a tweet that said they don't make them like this anymore in regards to Giannis and Steph Curry being loyal to their locations. Giannis, quote, tweeted it with a prayer hands emoji, simply acknowledging what's going on. Obviously, if you've been watching, Dame Lillard, he wants out of Portland. He's been in Portland for over a decade now, but now he's saying he wants out. Mm-hmm. Slick, does loyalty matter in the NBA? Pick up where we left off. It
2: does. It does for all of the things that James and, and Joy Pointed out because it is a two-way street and when I look at the Golden State Warriors and the success that they've had and how they stayed by Clay Thompson and mm-hmm. how they've stayed as this team took a dip and you could have run and you could have said hey we got to blow this up we got to go a different direction no they stayed the course and they came back and they won another championship and they still have that team together the Milwaukee Bucks have seen Giannis develop and have gone out and gotten pieces and have stayed and, and have stood by him and what the Milwaukee Bucks in spite of being in a small market, have been an extremely successful team, right? And have won a championship. It does matter, it does matter. And there is, like, I don't, I don't necessarily interpret loyalty meaning you're gonna play for us forever. But if you're not, I'm gonna do right by you and I'm gonna help you get someplace else. I'm gonna to try to at least repay you in some way for your commitment to us by doing right by you. And that sends a message. now. The vast majority of teams do not operate that way. Mm. And in part, it's because, and I would look at the Saquon Barkley thing, just as one example, like you have a different GM there. You you don't have the GM there that drafted him. You don't have the head coach that drafted him. So they don't feel an obligation. They don't feel a loyalty to that guy because they didn't go out and pick him. And that happens a lot through the course of, of teams. Business does intrude. I'm gonna stick with that loyalty matters because I've seen it serve both sides. When it's used correctly, when teams do show a, a, a certain amount of loyalty, it benefits them. The majority don't, and I think it hurts them.
4: You know, it's crazy because we could count on our hand how many times organizations have been loyal, and that's, what, that's, what, that's, what, Skip, that's, what, that's what Slick talking about, like the few times organizations have been loyal but the million other times that they haven't lets players know that I don't have no loyalty towards you guys. And if I'm talking to my sons that's going, trying to get up into this thing, and if they were here, I would tell them straight up, son, don't have no loyalty in this business, period, right? They will get rid of you no matter what you have done for the organization, right? Loyalty is, right, you might not be able to offer me a lot right now, but you know what? What you've done, what you meant to me, I'm going to keep you. Organizations don't do that. And if they did, it's, you could count on your hand. So as a player coming into certain situations, you can't walk into this thing basically saying that I'm going to be loyal to them because they're not going to be loyal to you when it's all said
1: and done. I agree with that. And interestingly enough, I think we agree in this conversation more than we disagree. I don't think players have to be loyal to organizations. Mm. I don't think they should. I think players should be selfish. I've been lied to, told I will be on a roster. Next thing you know, I'm Mm. spending Thanksgiving by myself watching the Eagles play the Detroit Lions, Mm. even though I thought I was gonna be there. Mm. Monday, I thought I was supposed to get a call because I was told I would get a call and I never heard from an individual again. Mm. I've been there. But I do know that you are usually elevated, not usually, you are always elevated if you stay in one place. For one time, whether it's Tony Romo with the Dallas Cowboys, whether it is Eli Manning, but we're talking about basketball right now. So the reason loyalty is most important to me is there's an implication here that I don't think we've spoken enough about. If you play in one place for the duration of your basketball career, that usually means there was a lot of winning going on. Thank you. So you were so good and or the organization were so good or both that loyalty was able to exist. There was a period where the Dallas Mavericks had won 50 plus games for 10 straight years. The San Antonio Spurs had won five championships in 20 years. The Los Angeles Lakers and Kobe Bryant had won five championships in 15 years. So when I see that kind of loyalty, the Golden State Warriors four in nine years, I'm like, oh, y'all have done things so right that y'all are winning and you're staying there. Joel Embiid is on the cusp of that right now. He could win a chip and bring that one back to Philly for the first time since, what's like, maybe 81, 83. 82, 82, 83? 83. 83. So, like, think about how big a deal that would be. If Embiid leaves and goes and wins one in Miami, great, congratulations. Wins one with the Clippers, congratulations. But to win one with the team that drafted him, it would just mean more in the
3: narrative of it all. Does LeBron James' greatness get diminished at all because his first championship was with Miami? No. If LeBron James was as great as he is with no championships but stayed in Cleveland and was Mm. playing year 20 in Cleveland with no championships, the world, the entire world would be a different place. (laughs) Literally, our jobs, our whole world would be different. It sounds good. And if we're changing the definition of loyalty to good business or being a good person or following up and keeping relationships with people, Cool, but I think loyalty is interpreted by everyone quite differently. Because I would agree with you. Treating players well, be, being good at business, making sure that you're not dogging people. like That's just moving around the world, not being a clown. Mm-hmm. Of course. But that to me, that's just respect, like I said earlier. There's a difference between being respectful and being loyal. But
1: then question for you, because we have to go to break. Why'd LeBron go back? I think LeBron went back. For legacy of,
3: purposes. And by the way, he had power when he went back because he was a champion by being disloyal and going to an organization that had won a championship and knew how to put it together. But
1: legacy was elevated
3: in my mind because was of where no he There was no loyalty other than his passion for the city he grew up in. It had nothing to do with but the lo- organization. There's lo- but there's
1: loyalty to the city that he grew up in. That's what I'm saying. He built a school in the city he grew up in. He
3: loves Cleveland, but he has some power and he was a champion when he went you back. You slid
1: that in before we had to go to break. We knew oh, I let did. her get to laugh <laughs> I laugh for fuck. Coming up, we have a lot to take care of when you talk about family business. That's next after the break.
2: You got a question for me, Slick? Yes, I do. So you revealed at the top of the show that you actually called James Jones first when you found out you had a plus one for the premiere. <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't make it, so uh-huh. then you went to Joy. <laughs> no, 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 right? No, oh, no,
3: no, 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 no. no. Joy was already no, going. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Joy okay, okay. was already so, going.
2: This is my only question. Like, where on the list was I? You were literally next. You were literally... <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, yeah, the next party. Next year, next year. Good.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you in there, Slick.
3: <laughs> oh, okay.
2: where was I oh, my God.